This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Check us out right from your TV. Uh, you can listen to Kelly and Company right there. I'll tell you how, folks. Simply, if you're a Compton subscriber, for example, go to Channel 88. And Rogers Atlantic, you guys can find us on Channel 196. Or, if neither is your uh, cable uh, provider, why don't you go to ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. On Fridays, we get to wrap up the week with just a little more tech because in case we didn't have enough tech on the show, we like to feature and squeeze some more content in on Fridays and send us out to send us out into the weekend with this tech and app update is John Beeler. And John, we're starting with something kind of cool. I mean, it, it sounds a little Black Mirror-ish, but, you know, everything is headed this way anyway. So Notion is using artificial intelligence to automatically write your blog posts, job descriptions, and poetry. The poetry part sounds nice because it's art, but everything so, uh, else, I'm like, hmm. See, and that's so the one I don't about like. This. The other ones I can get. I, I can get behind. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's break it down, though. Yeah. So this is a new tool that is in private alpha, which means basically they're still figuring out what they can actually do with this tool. And some of the things that it's capable of doing is what you described, doing blog posts, job descriptions, and even poetry. And um, it's it's kind of interesting to see how this whole AI-generated content thing has been evolving. You know, uh, we've talked about some of these things before. Um, certainly on the image generation side of things, things are just crazy hyperspace speed uh, fast as far as how much uh, the improvements we're seeing. And so with this particular tool Notion has, they're sort of letting it be used by certain key people to sort of figure out what it's really good at. And they're using the same kinds of training material that Google and other companies are using to train all of their tools for things like, you know, Grammarly and, and other projects and tools that, that are available out there. What's really interesting, though, is um, one of the sort of interesting use cases for this particular kind of tool is at least as a starting point. So one of the um, the people that got to sort of try this out, they started giving it a couple different sort of angles. One was to write a blog post uh, about smartwatches. And, you know, it did okay. It, it, it Basically, what it's doing, it's gleaning all this information from the internet and the right. data models. But it got some of the stuff wrong. So you, you still need to have someone go through it and like, well, actually, that's not true anymore. That's an older model. That's <laughs> kinds of things when it talks to about smartwatches. Um, right. But the return of you, editors. Think about it, well, exactly. And yeah, if nothing that's all else, we're going to be doing. This gives you at least a starting point, so you don't yeah. have to start from a clean slate. Yep. And I think this is what you're getting at, Kelly, is that, you know, at least I don't have to start from scratch. Um, right. And having something like this, being able to write, say, uh, a, a sales email, right? So you're, you're sending out an email through a mailing list talking about the virtues of your product. Why not get the AI to sort of take a stab at that to see what it comes up with? And it might be, you know, 
50, 60, 70% of the way there, and you just sort of have to massage it the rest of the way. Yeah. Still a lot easier than starting from scratch. Yeah, especially um, in a but, situation where, like you said here, we're looking at, say, uh, job postings, and we've got a new plant opening here in London for Maple Leaf Foods and that up here. And if you had to run off, uh, you know, a bunch of different job posts and you could actually keep the company format. That's true. And all you have to do is say there's, there's, I don't know, a silly number of folks, 98 different jobs that you're hiring for to start. So I can see it. I can get it there and say, oh, yeah, perfect use. Poetry. Well, it's supposed to come from the heart or somewhere like that, or your, you know, well, I, I, I find know. that hard to believe. Does it have to? I mean, the thing is, poetry. Well, if you're doing those Christmas movies we be... talked about that have the same storyline, sure. no. Right. Or I'm I'm thinking more like it's not trying to replicate how you would write poetry. It's just poetry by AI. It's not really an yeah, identity but, thing. But what like, I'm not passing off AI? poetry. <laughs> like whatever the AI is doing is writing as poetry, but but it's not trying to pass off the poetry as my own. Right. But that that becomes issue. But uh, John, was well, there anything well, else well, with the, this that you wanted to mention? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the thing is that the whole poetry angle and AI art in general there's still a human behind it because you're giving it prompts, right? You're, you're, you're right. sort of nudging right. it in certain directions. Right. And, and arguably mm-hmm. an artist using paint is nudging the paint in a certain direction, you know, like there's definitely <laughs> some skills that are involved with actually physically making a painting. Um, but when it comes to AI stuff, you're still nudging the computer in a certain direction. Um, and the people that are going to be good at this are the ones that, that understand how to manipulate the prompts, which are the, basically the keywords or the starting points that the AI uses to start writing from or drawing from or whatever, those are the, the magicians are going to be the people that are, are really good at sort of figuring out the syntax to talk to the computer to get it to get closer to the goal at the end right. of the day. Like the people at the other end doing the blog posts, massaging it to get it to be accurate and cleaner. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the other, right. with a yeah. poem, you're doing it. At the beginning and and getting it to work for you, really interesting. Yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to you see. Know, as you know, I do want to the architect say one this. thing though. There are a lot of things that now AI is doing, machine learning is doing, and just apps in general uh, are are doing that. We don't need to use these parts of ourselves anymore, right? Like GPS means you don't have to memorize or write down directions and. Um, using spell check and Grammarly and all of these things means we don't have to worry if we spelled something incorrectly or if we don't have the proper uh, grammar um, education or whatever. So it does, like, there is a part of me that's concerned about that. You know, AI is doing every, absolutely every single thing for us now. And of course, we're editing, and which, you know, you you're right about that, rusty. John. We need the skills, but we yeah. become rusty and or we just, don't like, have the creativity. We, get, we don't need that. Yeah, we don't need Less to be creative. Us. We don't need to be um, able to do something because AI is already doing it. Kind of scary. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a debate I think we're going to have for a long time. I think so too yeah. because some yeah. of us would argue AI will teach us ma- lots as well. Some of us, like the people who are editing these things are are doing it. But how about the people who aren't? Well, that's where our teachers will have to be passing that on to us and utilizing AI as it lives with us. That's It's, yeah. it's an interesting thought. And like you say, very much I can understand the debates. A Russian code was found in thousands of American apps, including the CDCs. Ooh, ooh. What's this, John? Yeah, this is a, 
uh, a concerning uh, wow. development that there was a company called um, Push Whoosh. I think I'm saying that right. Um, that basically is uh, they 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 do coding for apps, and there's pieces of their code, and and apparently over eight thousand different apps on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. What's concerning about it is that this company's code is in a lot of very interesting places, like the CDC's app. Um, and it turns out this company has been kind of misrepresenting themselves. Uh, they don't actually have uh, a U.S. presence, and they have fake street addresses that are basically just drop boxes for emails and uh, or uh, email or mail, mm-hmm. and they don't even have employees that work in the U.S. They have fake profiles on LinkedIn. And it's, it's all being traced back to uh, the firm being located in Siberia. And, you know, that's fine. There's lots of reasons why a company would want to have sort of a, a virtual presence in another country just for, you know, tax purposes, uh, access to certain programs that they wouldn't get if they're an international. But the fact that there's all these fake accounts and... Um, just a little sketchy activity. Yeah. yeah. and um, Which you couldn't so do the, 10 years ago. If you had fake an address, like allegedly, uh, you know, and we're looking and someone said, well, where's their base? Where's the company? I want to go speak to someone there. And you pulled up and what? There's nothing here. You know, they would be after yeah. you. Well, and the reporters have gone to some of the addresses of the, of the purported company. And it's like, I don't know this company. It's like a residential address. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's it's a little concerning. They don't specify which 8,000 apps are using this company. And I also don't really have a good sense of what parts of the app code mm. is actually from this company. But the concern is, of course, that uh, if they're misrepresenting, misrepresenting themselves over here, what else are they misrepresenting or what other rules are they not following in the handling of personal data that's probably being collected by these apps? Wow. And just that infiltration into so many apps, that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, and John apparently was even uh-huh, in, it, there were, some of this code was even in the army's official apps. And once mm. they figured this all out, uh, they the, both the CDC and the army have ditched the company's code from their apps. Ooh. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, I obviously understand the climate. We're going to do that anyway. Let alone whatever that was telling the app to do, or whatever portion of the, whatever the app was, you know, that was being utilized for. That's that's interesting because I guess we would never know, especially when you talk eight thousand apps going to have eight thousand different you know functions. Yeah, John. The last thing on the list for today is a report that claims that uh, repair technicians, device repair technicians, can snoop on your personal data and then remove their tracks. Sneaky. Yeah, this is basically confirmation of certain things that I think a lot of people might have suspected. Um, And, you know, it's always, it's almost like getting broken into uh, like a robbery when you realize that your personal devices, whether it's a phone or a laptop or whatever, have been looked through by somebody else. And if your device is having a problem, you have to take it into a repair center. You have no choice but to give that person access to your device, uh, especially if you can't even access it to go in and 
clean it up or password protect or do something. Um, but researchers at the University of Guelph, they actually did um, a, a bunch of tests at 18 different repair shops across North America. And they've, they've t- created a paper called No Privacy in the Electronics Repair Industry. And they specifically had some uh, co- content on these devices that they took in for repair. And they were able to detect that technicians had viewed that content, made copies of that content, and removed as best as they could traces that they actually accessed that stuff. Um, and the big problem with a lot of these repair places is that they don't have proper privacy protocols uh, and policies to protect your personal information when their technicians are fixing your device, which is quite troubling. Yeah, and like most of the time, right, when you have any kind of hardware issue, you're just going to find the most affordable place to go to, you know, like somewhere near you that's super cheap, that won't cost you an arm and a leg to get your, I don't know, your screen fixed or whatever else. So you really aren't looking for the the standards anyway. Like how, how do I know this person isn't going to go through my phone? We don't even think about that. Yeah. And there's lots of motivations that they would do that, you know, and we, there's actually been examples of, uh, of employees at these various companies that have been, uh, arrested because they were uh they accessed certain people's say photos and they were posting them online and it was able to be traced back to them you know that's a huge invasion of privacy um some companies though like samsung have introduced repair mode for their devices which basically puts it into like a guest mode Mm -hmm. so it locks away that stuff but that's assuming you can even access your device to put it into that mode that's the problem you know if you smash your screen you can't do anything about it of your personal privacy to people because you're just trying to get something fixed. It would be so much easier for all of us if we could just go directly to Samsung or directly to Google or directly to Apple, but that is often than not the case. More often than not. That's right. John, thank you so much. You're welcome. Got Sorry later. to leave on a, on a fun, fun note. <laughs> I know. Next time we'll flip it around. Uh, she's going to use the algorithm to write a end. Black Mirror episode, you know, so it doesn't really It's matter. already out there, man, when they recreated that dead person. Anyways, John Beeler will be back next Friday for more app updates. We'll step aside for a couple of moments. Karen McGee, uh, she actually attended the Paratuff competition in Montreal earlier this month. We'll get her impressions after this. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.